Welcome to an episode of the Sports Genes Into the Lab podcast, where sports analysts and experts dissect the latest news from the NBA and NFL, giving you a unique view on some of the hottest topics around your favorite teams. From the fresh field smells of the NFL to the hardwood courts of the NBA and possibly your comfy couch for your fantasy football team. Let's see what kind of news the lab is working with today. Here's your host from the Sports Analytics Headquarters in San Antonio, Texas, Ernest Silva. Well, good morning and welcome to Into the Lab with our special Friday morning slot continuing season one. This is episode 43 and I'm your host, Ernest Silva. You can find me at the Sport Gene and powered by the Mothership Blue Collar Media Group, where we are back with news and segments today in our usual Friday morning spot. So this show is coming to you from the Sports Analytics Headquarters in San Antonio, Texas, but your favorite sports analysts are coming and cooking in the lab from all over the globe. Let's cue the announcer after we acknowledge a special moment of silence for some individuals that passed away uh, that are very near and dear to our hearts. Fantasy Football co-founder Andy Musalmias and wrestlers Shad Gaspard and Hannah Kamura. Let's go ahead and give them a moment of silence before we start this week's episode. Well, we appreciate that moment of silence, and we'll tell the announcer to go ahead and take it away. And now, tonight's starting lineup. From Bali, Indonesia, a beverage connoisseur, wrestling expert for Blue Collar Sports, Twitter handle at Dre2124, Dre Rogers. Good morning, fellas. How you doing today? We're doing good, Trey. Glad to have you this morning. From Winnipeg, featured on the podcast, the Institute of Drafting, the 2019 Into the Lab NFL Pick'em Champion, Twitter handle, at the Phantom Jazzy, Miles Bloomquist. What's up, everybody? Glad to be back after taking a week off, and I'm ready to rock and roll. Some more fantasy stuff for you guys. Excited to have you back, Miles. And from Denver, a contributor to Blue Collar Sports, Twitter handle at Cade Walker NBA. Cade Walker. How's it going, all? Excited to talk some uh, baseball and basketball with you guys. A man of many words. And last, from Regina, coming to us from Shooter Shoot Podcast. Regina. Underscore pod. Kenny Cotterell. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me, Miles. I didn't really appreciate that, but uh, we're, we're going to get things rolling. It should be a, should be a fun episode. Except- That's uh, a, a good, uh, what, what's the name of the movie? Step Brothers uh, <laughs> chant that we could use. <laughs> Alrighty. You know, I'm glad to have all y'all on. This is going to be a fun episode. We're going to start right in Kenny's wheelhouse, though, because something really got him fired up, fired up a couple of nights ago. Um, a top 107 Disney list was released in the MySA uh, San Antonio newspaper, and Kenny was on fire. Just to give a couple of rankings that were given, so and a back and a background uh, to this piece. So, um, a top 107 uh, list of all Disney cartoon movies, excluding 
Marvel and Star Wars uh, was released. And, he, and here are some rankings of that list. At, at, at dead last, 107 was Fantasia. And at 71 was Snow White. At 49 was Coco. Coco was at 49. At 26 was Cinderella. I absolutely agree. And number four was Aladdin, which I think is the only one I possibly agreed on that list. And number one overall of all Disney movies ever created was Wally. So I'll let you guys kind of sit there and dissect it. I asked a sports scientist to kind of curve their expertise and make their top five Disney movies of all time. But I'm going to start with Kenny because he actually made an article of his top 25 right after it in response to it. Kenny, why don't you take it away and talk a little bit about Disney movies and what your top five on your list were? Yeah, I mean, I was pretty fired up by it just because, like, the guy just – he was so clueless on his list overall. Like, he had Emperor's New Groove at 81. Like, I don't know if that's – that's a travesty right there. I I don't know, like, just overall his list was, was trash. I mean, Lilo and Stitch was at 51, like, just not acceptable. So I broke out my top 25. You said that he had Fantasia in last. I had it at 25, so it just squeaked into my list because I think that you should really appreciate, even though there's no, like, spoken dialogue, it's still such a great Disney movie. But for my personal top five, I put Hercules at number five. It's probably because I'm a huge Greek mythology guy and I just love that movie. I actually grew up with like the Disney plates that they used to come out with. And I <laughs> one. So like, I mean, that one was easy for me at number five. Snow White at number four. Like I figured that was fair. It has everything that you could really want in a Disney movie. It's got great music, great villain, uh, overall fun characters. Like the seven dwarves are just awesome, especially Doc. He was just running the ship. And then uh, I had Aladdin at number three. I don't know, like Robin Williams is the genie is like one of the best Disney characters of all time. And another one that has great villain, you know, great overall soundtrack. So I figured Aladdin at three was fair. Just missing out on my top spot was Toy Story. To clarify, when I did my list, I didn't have any sequels in it. So like there was no Toy Story 2, 3, 4. I like those movies, but I felt like it was fair to just be putting originals in there. So uh, I had Toy Story at number two. I mean, when you've got Tim Allen and Tom Hanks voicing Woody and Buzz Lightyear, like that's a great duo right there for, for voices. So I went with Toy Story. And number one, I had Lion King. I think it should be in everyone's top five, whether you want to put it at one or five or wherever in between. I think it's just overall a great movie. I, they obviously, I'm talking about the original, not like the redone one a few years ago. So <laughs> Uh, I had uh, the Lion King at number one on my list. All right, Kay, do you have anything different in your top five? Oh, yeah, my, my top five is uh, uh, definitely different than that. I think the only one that we had, the, like, matching in top five was um, was Aladdin. Um, uh, actually, you know, I take that back. Lion King was in my top five. So at five, I, I did have Lion <laughs> King. Um, Lion King Lion King's excellent. Um Definitely a, one like one of my childhood favorites. Like I grew up on that movie. Um, at four, I put Peter Pan. I think that's a timeless classic. Um, especially like like that's that's like peak Disney. Um, it's iconic. And I mean even the the spinoffs, right? Like the like Hook, like with Robin Williams, that was a uh, that's iconic. I don't count it, but the original. Anything Peter Robin Pan, Williams, right? Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> this is a pro Robin Williams. <laughs> If you're not pro Robin Williams, just stop watching. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, then at three, I had Wally. Um, I, I think 
it's a great movie. Like I, I think uh, I think it's properly rated on that list. Maybe not what number one. Number one's a little high, but you know it, it's 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 a top five movie. You know, in terms of like um like the main character, the I mean the quote unquote love interest. I guess I mean like the whole plot. Like it was excellent, like, top to bottom. Um, second best Pixar movie of all time. Third best Disney movie. Wow. Best Pixar movie though to me was was Ratatouille. Um, and that's, yeah, that's that's a personal favorite of mine, man. I, I Kenny's over here cringing. <laughs> so you have you have Wally over Toy Story then? It's because he's freaking like fifty years old. He doesn't know about any of the good rat or good uh, Disney movies from the mid two thousands. I did. I don't look that old. Wow, fifty <laughs> stars. <laughs> and then uh, number one on my list, Aladdin. Again, we're very pro Robin Williams here. Um, it's the villain was fantastic. The plot's great. The main character's great. It's it's, it's a perfect Disney movie. Perfect. So I'm, re- I'm really glad it wasn't like, hey, it's exactly the same, and we're not level headed here because there's definitely some difference of opinion. Yeah. Miles, I figure you're going to be different as well. What do you have in your top five? Ooh, okay. So uh, my top five, and I mean, I kind of alluded to this because I was big on the mid two thousands, mostly even like the early 90s sort of that that's what I grew up on uh but I'm gonna go straight to a classic at number five which is one I revisited uh kind of as I got older and that's 101 Dalmatians Mm -hmm. Uh, I love that movie and I think uh just if you fill a movie with a bunch of dogs I mean how could it go wrong (laughs) like honestly I love that movie so much (laughs) that's like the best argument ever (laughs) yeah Yeah, like you you just throw a bunch of dogs in a movie talk about how on point that was (laughs) (laughs) And, and it works out uh number four I'm going to go Ratatouille. Uh, you know, I think that whole, I, I love how original Disney gets and there's nothing more original than a mouse that cooks. And when you think Ratatouille, Ratatouille, like that, ju- that was just, as a kid, I was like, <laughs> holy crap. Like that blew my mind. And I, I'm like, now I'm like, it's kind of cheesy, but I mean, I, I guarantee you everyone that was like a young kid at that time was like, holy crap, Disney's a genius for that. Um, but at number three, I'm going to go with The Incredibles. Uh, I, I, I that's the closest okay. thing you can get to a superhero movie and, and like an original Disney product. I mean, it's legendary. I, I'd say the sequel was a little bit better almost, but maybe that's just because it was so hyped up for a long time and it delivered once it came out. That's true. But uh, I'll stick with the original because once again, that's what I grew up on. Um, at number two, I'm going to go Lion King because that was probably the first Disney movie I watched. And I just, I used to watch it almost every day. I mean, if you ask my dad, that was the thing that I, I love the most. But my number one, the one I personally think I love the most is The Jungle Book, uh, another classic that I, I watched the, the remake first and I love the remake. And then I went and watched the original and I love the original even more. Um, I think that sort of classic cartoon feel is just, it's a little more like, it, it just feels like there's a little more spirit in it than you know a bunch of cgi and bill murray voicing a bear so i I love the remake but the classic is just my thing so i'm gonna go with the jungle book at number one okay all right and then that's definitely fair i think ratatouille finished up there in its ranking list i don't think it cracked the top 50 so just understand how bad that list was what if anybody has if anybody has that ranking i'm pretty sure it was like 60 or 70 that's so Um, bad yeah yeah it was pretty terrible now dre I'm going to bring you on, bud. What is your top five Disney movies? Yeah, obviously, like you said, I guess depending on the age, what our answers are going to be. So um, 
first off, I got a special shout out to Who Framed Roger Rabbit because mm. that almost made it to my top five, but uh, it was very, very hard to leave out of my top five. But uh, one of my favorite movies growing up was The Three Caballeros. I don't yeah. know. I really like that movie. So I put that at number five. <laughs> I've got uh, Peter Pan as four. Um, and then uh, I put uh, The Emperor's New Groove. That's I just like that movie a lot. I don't know why. It was really funny to me. I think it's got the, the Joe Dirt guy. I forgot his yeah, name. Yeah, David Spade. But... Yeah, that's the guy, and he's he's hilarious. So I I really like that movie, and I, I think I've watched it a bunch of times. So I put that in my top five, and yeah, then uh, I just went the regular style, uh, number two, Lion King, and number one, Aladdin. So yeah, pretty classic. I'll pretty, give you my pretty basic with, okay. with with with. Go ahead. An honorable mention. Oh, something just saying. Go ahead, go ahead. Fucking Dre. <laughs> <laughs> we all know how that Indonesian internet works over there, Dre. It's all good. But we all, you know, a special honorable mention on my list before I give my top five was The Nightmare Before Christmas because I am a big fan of that movie and my wife's like number one all over the place with that movie. And it, I think for them, it was like number 64 on the list or something crazy low. And I was, uh, you know, at that point, I really was just reading the list so I could tell you guys how upset I was. But my top five, I have two different ones in my top five that have already been listed. So my number five is actually The Little Mermaid. I love that movie. That's I know. It, yeah, I mean, the, the songs just get stuck in your head and it had a great story. I mean, what Disney movie doesn't, but I love The Little Mermaid. Number four was Toy Story for me. I think the music really gets me because if a song gets stuck in my head, it's in my top five so far. Coco was number three for me. I thought Coco was an instant classic. I can't stop singing Coco. And then number two, Aladdin, number one, Lion King for me. So, you know, I guess it is kind of dependent on age, like you said, Miles. But to have um, – well, let me ask this question. Did anybody have Frozen in their top ten? No. no. Yeah, I mean, it was number seven for this guy. Maybe he has daughters. I'm not I, sure, but the list was – it just drove me nuts. What were you going to say? My list, I had Frozen at 14. I had Little Mermaid at 11. I just couldn't get over how much I hated Flounder as a character. So <laughs> I love Flounder. I, I couldn't. <laughs> Flounder is just useless. Um, Incredibles I had at 9. So, like, I wanted to put it higher. I just, I don't know. I, I preferred more of the classic movies. Shout out to one of the more recent movies. I was a big Big Hero 6 guy. I thought that was a pretty solid Yes. yes. Big Hero 6 big was Hero great, 6 was but awesome. it's not te top 10 great for me. Yeah, well, it, it's not even an original story because it was like, marvel comic first but you know it, it was still really good like i thought it was fantastic and a more current movie too that i had in my top 10 was moana i rewatched it actually with my girlfriend last night i thought it was still really good so i think i had it at nine or ten maybe so well you know i had some diversity in there moana and mulan were both in my top 10 so yeah. you know add some extra mulan is you know a fantastic movie i could watch that all day yeah yeah but all right, so we'll get off the Disney segment. If you're if you're a sports at this point, you fast forward to this point in our <laughs> in our show. But uh, we had some golf over the weekend. Let's go into the news around the league um, in different leagues, and let's start off with golf. So Kenny, we had the golf charity match this weekend, um, and and Tiger versus Phil, and Tom versus Peyton. 
Uh, was this weekend a success, and do you see it continuing to happen? I think it was a huge success, honestly. Like, as, as trash as Tom Brady was at golf, <laughs> like, leave it to Tom to be absolute trash for 17 holes and hit one good shot that he just so happens to spin back into the hole and, like, steals everyone's thunder at that point. Like, but, I mean, the trash talk was good back and forth. Like, it would have been nicer if the weather was better because, obviously, they were playing through rain most of the day. But I thought it was an overall success. I know that they raised millions of dollars for COVID and everything through it. So, the commentators were good. Like, having Barkley, like, chirping Tom was kind of hilarious because, like, you know, of all the people to be chirping Tom, like, the guy who looks like he has a stroke in his backswing is the guy. <laughs> so, I I think it was an overall success. I mean – for sports, considering we haven't really had much to, to go on, I thought that it was good. So, I thought having Chuck hit the try to get a bogey or better at the end was hilarious. I thought that was that was the best way to end uh, all things, especially with him trying to get tips from people while they're actually golfing. Him asking tips from Phil in the middle of his of his round, I thought that was perfect. Did any anybody else tune in and watch it, or was this most of the golf community on our group? Oh, no, oh, I watched, I watched the whole thing from like the fourth hole on. Yeah, I was awesome. The, I loved the trash talk from the start to the finish. Yep. I love underrated diss was Justin Thomas saying that he would like to see Charles Barkley's fat ass trying to dunk right now. That was the <laughs> best. That was the best trip all day. That that goes number one and number two is saying that Peyton Manning should have brought Nick Foles as his caddy, and then you hear Tom <laughs> Brady right after just go, "That that's a low blow, man." <laughs> <laughs> I heard somebody say that Tom Brady's golf game was exactly how Eli Manning plays football. Just terrible all the time, <laughs> but has that one great shot. And that's yeah. how, that's how it gets him to win. Um, so did they air it out in Indonesia? Dre? <laughs> Dre here. <laughs> uh, no, no, we didn't get the golf channel here. So it, it's weird because there's a lot of uh, golf courses, but no, I did. I did not get to see it, and it did not air. So, oh man. I guess Brady and Peyton Manning are not that important. <laughs> <laughs> well, in, uh, in, in other news, you know, Eli Manning's now on Twitter. If you haven't started following him, he is kind of funny, just because he looks like the old grandpa that got on Twitter, and he doesn't even know how to tweet. But that's pretty fun. Um, He's uh, Steve's favorite follow, by the way. I've seen a lot of interaction <laughs> between the two. <laughs> That is correct. Steve not here to defend himself. Since Steve's um, not here, I'll go ahead and say that this proves that Manning's better than Brady. Oh, man. Oh, that's no. bad. Oh, no. He's going to hate us. Let's, <laughs> let's switch sports. Let's talk about boxing. And old, old school boxing, Mike Tyson has been enticed. I don't know if you've seen the recent pictures and videos of Mike Tyson, but he looks very good and in shape, ready to box. He claims he can make a comeback. He was offered a $20 million and it, with incentive contract to come out of retirement um, for his age. I think he's over 50. Yeah, he's over 50. So let's talk about uh, Mike Tyson and do we believe this comeback? I, I want to start with you, uh, Dre, on this one. What do you think about Mike Tyson? Does he come back? Does he get back in the ring? Well, he actually showed up at the AEW Double or, no Double or Nothing pay-per-view, so he was already there. Um, he obviously took off his shirt, and he looks kind of jacked. So, I mean, it's it's going to be more like a, maybe just like a, you know, payday kind of boxing match. 
so maybe well i guess kind of boxing is that in a way because you know you fight once a year and you get paid a hundred million dollars so maybe that's the point of this either he gets beat up by a young kid or you know but he he's gonna get paid so it doesn't really matter yeah i mean would you guys pay to watch it you guys watch watch uh paying pay-per-view to watch mike tyson back in the ring I already oh, so, yeah. I already watched the Rocky Balboa movie from 2006. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> Mike Tyson versus Floyd Mayweather. Anybody else want to see that? Oh, well, that I mean, would be beautiful. <laughs> isn't Floyd like half his size? <laughs> yeah, but doesn't I, I mean, Mike that would be twice his age. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Tyson pretty old though. I mean, the fights like two rounds because like if he doesn't knock a guy out, like I can't imagine like you're in your mid 50s that you're going to last that much longer. I mean, apparently I'm 50 and I can barely go for a bike ride. So, but if, <laughs> but, but if somebody broke their hand, like in Rocky, right. Then you can last a full 12 at this point. I mean, that, we, we've seen that. Yeah. That's yeah. not a movie or anything, right? Oh no. I thought that that was real. Well, let's stay, let's stay in the cage and let's talk about uh, Conor McGregor now. So Anderson Silva says the fight is on. Conor says, let's do it. Are we intrigued by a Conor McGregor, Anderson Silva fight my cousin yeah I'm ready for that I'm ready for that because I'm ready for I'm ready for Silva to bury McGregor like oh, hell yeah like let, let's be real if it's funny because he call, he puts Anderson Silva number one in his goat rankings and then he puts himself there so according to Conor McGregor this is the goat fight right <laughs> if he gets buried by Silva then he can just say oh I I said Silva was better than me. Like this isn't this isn't a shocker to me. It would be a shocker if I beat Silva. Guarantee you that's what he goes to if he loses, which he probably would if he fought Silva because you know Silva's one of the greatest pound for pound fighters of all time. I think he doesn't deserve to fight Silva. He hasn't earned that honor yet. He should beat Khabib or Diaz or someone up there right then before he can even has the privilege to fight Silva. Like McGregor is ranked eighth right now. So I don't think he should be competing against the number one guy in UFC. I mean, shouldn't Connor have a couple of uh, tune-up matches before he even gets to the point to where he's ready to fight Anderson Silva? I mean, if you count the cowboy matches of tune-up, but that was basically <laughs> just him like, hey, fucking old up, washed up Donald Corona, I could beat his ass. Like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> he sucks now. <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully we see it. I'd like to see Anderson really beat the shit out of Connor McGregor. It would be really fun to see. Let's talk hockey, boys. Let's get back on the ice. Now, the NHL has already declared they will not play out this season. If they come back, it's going straight to the playoffs. Um, how does this affect how other leagues view it that still need to come back, like the NBA and the MLB? Kate, I'm going to have you kind of chime in on this one. How do you feel about NHL going straight to the playoffs? Um, man, it's interesting because, like, you have, like, the NBA still biding their time, right? And uh, NHL made their decision. So, I mean, I, I don't know. They, uh, I kind of like the, uh, like the attitude here. They're, they're, at least they know what they're doing, right? The NBA is still exploring options. Um, but you know, I think it's a good plan. I think it's going to, going to work pretty well. I mean, safety is obviously the, the biggest concern, but, um, if, if that's not a factor, like if, um, if they take enough precautions, you know, I think it, it could work. And I think, yeah, like home field advantage is definitely a, a thing in all sports, but like statistically home field advantage exists less in hockey than it does in any of the four major American sports. 
So I think at least you're not going to have that back there. In there. So, you know, it'll be pretty interesting uh, to see how that goes. And the one thing we're not hearing out of the NHL, which is surprising because every league isn't spouting about it, is money. We haven't had that big conversation about NHL players and not getting paid if they go straight to the playoffs. What what uh, what do you think is driving the non-conversation in NHL? Is it just that they're so forgiving because with that? Because NHL players don't give a shit. They're not looking for the money. <laughs> Most of them, at least, like in the in the NBA, every guy wants that thirty million dollar contract. Yeah. And how easy it is to get. I mean, the top paid guys in the NHL are only making like what six. I think McDavid. Who's 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 over McDavid now? Because someone got paid more than him. Right? Can, Was it Drysaddle that got twelve? Drysaddle's getting nine per year. Mm. Well, so I think 12. someone got twelve though. Was like David's getting 12. I think someone got like up there, like in the 14 to 16 range. I think someone topped McDavid, (laughs) but that's the thing the guys who are supposed to get paid are already paid. No one else really wants to get paid. That's the thing about the NHL, and that's why I love it. That there's, I mean, there should be more personality, but the fact that there's less personality means there's less troubles. So that's why it's so easy just to be transparent with the NHL. Like these guys are like, all right. I mean, they're, they're also not having to take much of a pay cut because they're going right to the playoffs. Their season's been played. They've made their money already. Meanwhile, baseball hasn't started yet, and that's why it's such a big issue. So, I mean, I, I mean I'm excited to see that hockey's coming back. That's a fantastic segue, Miles, because we're going to end on the diamond. So let's talk about baseball. Now, players have been asked to make this pay cut going to an 82-game season, but no players were asked to cut more than the very top 10% of MLB players as they'll be only getting about 30% of what their take-home would be while the other players lower than them would get prorated contracts. I don't know if you guys have seen these numbers. I'm sure they'll be flashing across our screen when it comes to the episode being released. But uh, let's talk about that. Um, Kate, I know you're a regular baseball guy here on Into the Lab. You saw the figures. You saw those proposal rates. What do you, What were your first thoughts of, with the MLBPA? Oh, well, I think – the MLBPA and the MLB already came to some sort of decision regarding revenue that they um, would cut pay by about 50%. Um, but that was, that was a couple of weeks ago. Now there's um, more proposed pay cuts and the MLP, uh, MLBPA is not happy about it. Like Max Scherzer yesterday um, made this, this huge post saying we're, we're not even going to, we're, we're not going to entertain that offer because it's not, it's not realistic. And, um, the MLB is probably one of the worst leagues in terms of their, their relationship between owners and players um, and, and like money, like the, like the, uh, the NBA and the NBA PA split uh, revenue 50, 50. Um, so it's, it's even worse actually with minor league baseball too, because some teams aren't even paying their minor leaguers through this crisis. So mm-hmm. it's um money's definitely one of the bigger issues. Like Blake Snell, um, went on live stream a couple weeks ago and uh, people in the comments were asking him, Hey, how do, what do you think of, uh, of this pay cut? He's like, I'm, I'm going to be risking my life to go play out there. Uh, Blake Snell has a, has a lung, a lung condition, I believe. So he probably is at risk at more risk than other athletes. He's like, no, I'm not going to risk my life if I'm not going to get all mine. Um, I think Trevor Bauer has issued similar sentiments um, as well as, well, and then you have, uh, opposite takes such as Nolan Arenado, uh, who's saying, man, I just want to play. So I think, I think the, the original 50% pay cut makes the most sense because the league is going to lose about half of their revenue with half of the, with half of the, the, uh, the games being played. So 
Um, that makes sense. And I think the MLBPA agreed that it made sense at the time, but the, the further proposed pay cuts um, definitely didn't make sense. And I don't think any of the players are happy about that. Yeah, I've got to agree with that. It has not been great looking for the MLB so far. Uh, Kenny, Miles, anything to add on that when it comes to the MLB side of things? I mean, I think not having that cap management for the league, it really hurts in times like this because there's really no overreaching um, league decision that you can make. You have to work hand-in-hand with each franchise. What do you guys think? Not even just that, but Rob Manfred's a piece of shit. Like he's got to be the, one of the worst commissioners in sports. Like why do you why do you think baseball sucks? That's because they don't fucking do anything to make it better. It's still stuck as it was fucking fifty years ago. Manfred doesn't want to change anything, and all of a sudden now, when there's this big pandemic and your season's at risk, and you're like, oh no, we're gonna lose so much money. If you're gonna play half the games, cut half the salary. That makes perfect sense to me. Because they get their game checks, right? You know, here's your average per game check, you know, for your performance. You played this game. Oh, we're resting you. You still get your game check if we're resting you. Or if you get injured, you know, you don't get your game check for some of those. But if you're missing half your game checks, then you're missing half your salary. That makes perfect sense to me. End it there. Why are you trying that? At this point, I just feel like they're trying to steal money from the players to keep yeah. themselves. Because, like, this is what happens when your league isn't as successful as it should be. Because MLB has 162 games plus playoffs. I mean, even if you don't get tons of attendance or tons of views on live television because you have games played at freaking 12 o'clock when people are at work, that's fine. But you still should be making a ton of money. And they're not. They're not making a lot of money in MLB. And that's the big struggle because I have to pay 90 guys per team pretty much. Plus, if you count all like the freaking minor, minor leaguers, like it's just ridiculous. And Manfred shouldn't be a commissioner. Like, he, I mean, I, I just, I hate baseball in general, and, and it's exactly what Miles is talking about. Like, the sport itself is fine, but you're telling me that Bryce Harper shouldn't be as highly marketed as some of these other guys in other major sports. Right. Like, the guy's fun to watch, and he, he's a hothead, and, like, if you, if you marketed it properly, then you could be bringing in a lot more attendance, a lot more money. Like, the fact that Mike Trout could probably walk down the street and the majority of America wouldn't even know who he is. I mean, that's pretty glaring because the guy's a once-in-a-generation talent. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just not a big fan of baseball just strictly because I think that they're terribly run. So I mean, like, I mean, like, think about this. When Wayne Gretzky was playing hockey, freaking Edmonton was selling tickets by the freaking minute. When LeBron stepped into L.A., Lakers tickets gone by the second. Freaking Mike Trout is going to be going down as one of the best baseball players ever, ever. Top 10 probably by the end of his career. And Angel Stadium has got maybe freaking half capacity at most. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You put those games in prime time, you'd be like, come see Mike Trout. Otherwise, you're going to miss one of the greatest players ever. And that's why LeBron is so marketed. That's why freaking Jordan was huge back in the 90s and 80s. Like, it, it just, that's how leagues make money. They need big names, and that's what attracts the fans. Or just start pumping steroids into them again. Like, let's <laughs> like do that. 80 home runs in a year. Like, yep. like what's the harm? <laughs> it's not like the sport isn't dying right now. So, I don't care. I'd, I'd love to see a guy roided out of his mind, hitting it out of the stadium three times a game. So, <laughs> Absolutely agree. Put the roids, get the trash cans, whatever you got to do. That's a good segue. Let's talk about the NBA and, and Miles bringing up LeBron and MJ. That's a great segue. So, Make It Take It, our favorite basketball segment here on ITL with 
Kenny and Cade. Let's go ahead and start our MBA conversation today. Kenny, take it away. Yeah, so I want to start, obviously, with the, the MJ audio that got leaked. So, like, I want to ask you guys, were you even surprised when you heard this? No, not at all. So, like, for me personally, I've seen so many documentaries on Jordan, the Dream Team, like, all these guys. And, like, you heard Scotty say before, like, I didn't want him on the Dream Team. And if I could speak for Michael, he didn't want him on the Dream Team. So, when I watched The Last Dance and he denied all of it, I was like, okay, well, he is final cut. Like, he's lying. And so, when it came out that he was lying, I wasn't really surprised by it because I just assumed that that was, like, well-known knowledge, whether it had been said or not. <laughs> like. <laughs> Yeah, MJ just didn't get along with Isaiah. So I feel bad for Isaiah because he didn't get to be a part of the greatest team ever assembled in sports. But at the same time, Isaiah did it to himself in a way because obviously if it, you know that MJ has that kind of power over the league. And when they elected not to shake hands and walked off the court after getting swept, it left a bad taste, not just in MJ's mouth, but like the overall world was kind of like, that's like pretty scummy what they did. Like, you can at least stay and, like, you know, at least shake hands at the end. So, I hate that the media is kind of just, like, trotting Isaiah around on different shows and, like, he's getting all misty-eyed about not being on the Dream Team. And it's, like, like he's never self-reflected and thought, like, you know, maybe I could have been less of a piece of shit when I played basketball. And then, like, more people might have liked me. And then I would have been on that team. But I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts on it? Do you think that Isaiah should be – as hurt by it as he is i mean like like you said you, he did it to himself and the last person you ever want to fucking cross is jordan i think that that's been made pretty clear over the last 20 years don't fucking cross jordan yeah well first of all i in terms of like qualification i think john stockton was more qualified at that period in time like during that season i think um like the like the past couple of years, like the the four years previous, John Stockton was significantly better than Isaiah Thomas. So I think it was it was a better pick in the first place. Um, second of all, Jordan wasn't even the only one who didn't like it. Like he didn't get along with Larry Bird or Magic Johnson either. Like like he didn't get along with essentially everyone on that team um, except maybe Christian Leitner. Who knows what, what that relationship was like, right? <laughs> but um, Leitner and him were best buds because <laughs> equally scummy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, obviously you're right. You don't cross Jordan. Jordan has uh, has the final say there, and he did it to himself. But at the same time, I don't think he was qualified to begin with. Well, and the only thing that I thought when it came to this was like, okay, maybe they elect to go with a third point guard. Like, Isaiah was better than Chris Mullen. But once again, it comes yeah. down to team chemistry. And so are you going to stick that guy on a plane and a bus with them for months at a time and, like, have that icy relationship? when you're trying to make history like they did, because that was one of the biggest displays of just like overall dominance you'll ever see in sports. And I don't, I don't blame them at all. Like, and if you have a choice between Isaiah and MJ, like, sorry, man, like, and it's also been said that Chuck Daly also didn't want him on the team. That's <laughs> another thing that has been now it's never been proven, but it is, it's out there that he didn't want him there. So now, from, from a chemistry perspective, you can understand why they didn't want him on that team. From a talent perspective, I mean, they obviously would have fit on that team. He was up there at an elite level, in my opinion. But uh, a lobster currently uh, uh, 
commenting on our video asking, did they really need IT on that team? I mean, for quick no, answers, no. no. They didn't no, need, they it. Didn't. They didn't need like, him. Just look at what they did. Like a team like Yugoslavia who had like proven NBA guys, like Drazen Petrovic was a good player. Divac was in the NBA. And then you have all these other guys like Kukoc who eventually played in the NBA. Dino Raja, another good player. They beat them by like 40 points both games and like shut Kukoc down. Like, yeah, did, did you need Isaiah Thomas there? No, you won the gold medal and nothing was even close. There was not a single game where you were like, oh, they might be in trouble. And that's never happened with the Team USA team since. Right. Like the 08 team, even when you had Kobe and LeBron and Wade in their prime, still a close final with Spain. 2012 when you had KD and LeBron close final with Spain like they've it's never dominated obviously the world game has gotten better right that was my my next comment (laughs) but but that being said I mean they they still are in close games right and it's not just those games they were close with Australia Argentina beat them like so it's interesting with the MJ stuff I kind of want to switch over to the the NBA playoffs now because they've got two proposals out there One of them was by Mark Cuban, you know, the most outspoken owner in all of uh, pro basketball. But Shark Tank. (laughs) Shark shark Tank. Um, This week. So from what I read, I read it today on ESPN. So he wants five to seven regular season games. So basically what that means is then only two teams are mathematically eliminated if they were to implement that part of it, which would be Golden State and Minnesota even teams in the East would still have a shot technically of getting in. Now, do I see Trey Young going seven and Oh and getting the Hawks into the playoffs now? Like they're a dumpster fire on defense, but I, uh, his idea was 10 teams from each conference. So you've got 20 teams. And then the way that it would work is 17 and 20 playoff, whether it's a one game or a seven or a three game uh, series. Uh, and then 18 plays 19. So those would be like the the play-in technically matchups. And then the winners of those would face off against 15 and 16 to get into the playoffs. To me, it just sounds too complicated. Like, to me, you could go to 18 teams, play no regular season, just have like a play-in of some sort. But I think one of the big reasons why he's saying this is because if that were to happen, all four of the teams that would be from 17 to 20 would be from the Western Conference. Like, because the East is that bad. Right. So, so it's favoring his conference, and you have to keep that in mind because obviously he's he's big out West especially. But if it were to happen today with this format, you'd get Portland playing San Antonio, which personally at Portland all day. San Antonio? Like, Lillard's <laughs> going to drop 50 probably. Personally, who gives a shit? Neither yeah. team is making it past that round. <laughs> exactly. And then Pelicans in Sacramento. That one would just be fun because it's two young teams. Oh, the and Pelicans would dominate yeah, that. I think, I think whoever wins out of those would have a genuine shot of beating 15 or 16 because that's Orlando and Brooklyn. Well, did you see that I apparently? I think the Pelicans are better than both of those teams. I think out of that you, whole group, the Pelicans are the best team. Did you and see that apparently they want the Pelicans to be in the playoffs and they're trying to get away because they want Zion to be in the playoffs. If you can get Zion in the playoffs, you do it. And also you keep JJ Reddick's playoff streak. (laughs) Yes. That's a big deal. That's definitely on the NBA radar. JJ Reddick's playoff streak. Let's be honest. Those are on an equal playing field. 
times. But I, I think some of this is kind of a reaction to Damian Lillard saying, what's the point of me coming back if I have no shot of making the playoffs? Which in I don't return, blame him. Which he doesn't it, have it, a shot at shit in Portland. I don't know what he's I, I mean, about. obviously, obviously. But, I mean, the to, to risk coming back with this with COVID-19 going on and not being, you know, rid of in the world, right? You risk going back and playing. But for what? If I have no shot of anything, then find a way to give me a shot. And then I'll come back and play. Because uh, I think the current standing is we want to get everybody to seven games, right? And for most teams, that's playing about five or six games. For some, it's only playing three more games. And so what's the point of doing that if you have no shot at the playoffs? Kate, I'm going to ask you. Um, I know the group stage has been talked about in several conversations. Um, does a group stage playoff scenario where you have um, 24 teams in the playoffs, uh, four group or six groups of four top two teams go into – uh, an eight round tournament. How does that sound to you? Is that plausible? You know, the group stage proposal that I saw uh, was four groups of five. Okay. Um, so uh, that was interesting. I saw uh, the one that I, I focused specifically on that I saw yesterday uh, would have had the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Pacers, the Nets, and the Kings uh, in one group. I know uh, the Rockets, Heat, Lakers, uh, Blazers, and uh, crap, I forgot the other team. We're in another group. So um, that would take the top 20 teams, you know, five groups of four, so that's 20 teams, uh, or four groups of five. Um, and then uh, it would be similar to how, like, the FIBA World Cup is played. Like, I watched the FIBA World Cup last summer. I think that's, that's a pretty uh, interesting um, – I think it's actually pretty cool how, how that works. And I think it would – it would be beneficial. Um, you know, you take those top 20 teams, right? The teams that are at least um, near the bottom, uh, the, the bottom of the shelf, right? That 16 to 20, that they actually have a legitimate shot of making it in the playoffs. Um, but at the same time, you go to, to Damian Lillard's point, right? Where he, he's not playing useless games. Um, and you're not making like the bottom 10 teams play for, for essentially no reason. So, you know, I think, I think that group stage could work. Um, I think it's, it's been proven to work like in other tournament styles, right? Like FIBA. Um, and I think it would probably, if you play that, that group stage style basketball where every team plays everyone on their group, you, uh, you probably get the best teams out of that group. So you, you probably make for the highest quality playoffs which uh, you definitely, which is definitely a concern, right? Like Shaquille O'Neal was saying, maybe, maybe if basketball comes back, it's going to be like, like preseason basketball. It's not going to be too great. Right. Um, so you want to try and get that quality of basketball back. And I think group stage does, uh, does a good job with that. Okay, to, to piggyback on that, the one thing that I did see was that they were also thinking about having the top four teams. So right now that'd be Milwaukee, the Lakers, the Raptors, and the Clippers. They actually get to choose the groups. So like, so like, can you imagine how entertaining on television that would be though, if you're the NBA to have Giannis is up with the first selection of who they want to play. And then they go through like the actual groups of it. Like, I, I think it would be, it would be interesting for sure because one of the worries that they had was, well, what if you have one group that's just like stacked, like right. you've got like the best in each hat end up in the same group, but it's like the world cup, like every year, every world cup, there's the group of death. So I don't know right. why people are too concerned about that. And I mean, ultimately, I just want to get it down to eight teams, seven game series. After that, like anything can happen in the playoffs. I think they just need to figure out a way to play games before they start the playoffs. I heard the proposal of one, three, five, seven, 
first round, one game elimination, sudden death, second round, best of three, then best of five. The best of... I personally set up my NBA 2K that way. So I don't know. I'm okay with that. But uh, the, the forever asterisk of the championship would go on that one. Yeah, absolutely. What else do you have on make a take or was that the, was that the end, Kenny? Uh, the last one that I kind of wanted to touch on, which I don't know why we're talking about the Knicks because, like, they're so bad, but the the last rumor was Thibodeau is rumored to be the front runner for the Knicks job, which, like, in my opinion, Tom Thibodeau is the most overrated coach that's ever coached in the NBA. Yeah, the, the Knicks never want to get better, do they? Because, <laughs> because what has he ever they won? Don't. He's never done anything really in the league. Everyone talks about this, like, legendary defense. Well, last I checked, he's sitting on zero rings. So, like, what has he, what has he actually done? Like, if I'm thinking about, okay, I'm the Knicks. First of all, they've had great head coaches over the last few years. Like, the fact that they let go of the guy who used to be in Memphis, his name's escaping Fizdale. me right now. Fizdale. Fizdale. That guy was a great coach. But it's the Knicks, so of course they ruined him, and now people probably won't touch him with a 10-foot pole because, you know, he had a bad run with the Knicks, like every coach would. I think if you're going New York and you want a head coach, you're either looking at Mark Jackson or you're looking at Kenny Atkinson. Kenny Atkinson's my pick. Atkinson Atkinson shouldn't have been fired. No. He should not have been fired. That 100% has to do with the players. I think Katie and Kyrie didn't like him. Fucking Kyrie. Fucking bitch. So, you know whatever but one guy who hasn't had a, a coaching job since you know the the mid 2010s was mark jackson and he was a good coach with golden state obviously they went on to do more afterwards but mark jackson's a guy who played for the knicks he knows the city the fans yeah. would love him like i think you got to go with the new york guy if you're really going to turn this thing around and yeah, don't get Atkinson, me wrong Atkinson's oh, a guy who's uh who's kind of a culture guy right and same thing with mark jackson actually like thibodeau like <sighs> People like at least historically have chosen Thibodeau as like uh, for playoff contention. Like he he coached that Bulls team with uh, with Rose, Jing Butler, and uh, and uh, Joe Camilla. Yep. Uh, the Knicks aren't playoff contenders right now, um, and I think if you're going to try and rebuild, which the Knicks are obviously doing, they're short, signing the veterans to really short contracts and obviously tanking a little bit. You're going to want a guy like Kenny Atkinson who completely changed that culture in Brooklyn right um, and now they're a respectable team and he took them to the level where they could advance to to contention right um, at least like they made the playoffs last year and I think even if they didn't sign Katie and Kyrie they would have taken another step um, but uh, you know I think he's he's a perfect guy for them like you said he's a New York guy so you have a New York guy plus a guy who's used to working with younger players and developing them I think that's a perfect fit Typically who ridiculous though. I think that's that's a terrible. A guy who whose name also has to be in the conversation is Jason Kidd. Like I mean, he was a fantastic head coach in Milwaukee, and he's still an assistant with the Lakers right now. So that dude can coach for sure. He can lead winning teams. He's been a part of winning teams for many years now. So I think he could be a great head coach somewhere. I'm just waiting for the Lakers to lose this year, and then they just fire Frank Vogel because LeBron wants to, and then they bring in Jason Kidd. But he's definitely (laughs) an option there for sure. Like. I don't know why he's not a head coach still. So surprising. Yeah. And of course, Mike D'Antoni would probably be a head, uh, head coach available this summer. So just keep that in mind. Well, I appreciate the basketball segment there, guys. We'll segue from there and go NFL. Uh, but thank you. That was Make a Ticket with Kenny and Cade. Thank you guys for leading that segment. Uh, let's talk NFL. We've had some news about NFL. I'm going to get a pulse check before we even start. Uh, Dak signing before July 15th. Let's go ahead and go around the room. I'm going to start with you, Miles. 
Oh, nope. Nope, nope, and nope. Yep, I don't think he's signing either yet. Yeah, I think he's going to take that franchise tag like a G. Let's talk about some recent news. Um, Jags cornerback Jalen Ramsey not holding out for training camp. What does that mean for the Jags, Miles? You mean Rams? <laughs> I mean the Rams, yes. I mean, that's that's good. That's what I meant. I would have expected <laughs> – I would have expected Jalen Ramsey to hold out because of just his personality. And I, I mean, he deserves to get paid. I think he can be the best corner in the league. I think Gilmore's probably the best corner in the league right now. Ramsey would be close second though. I think he absolutely can be the best corner. Had a bit of a down year in LA, but once again, who else are they going to like put out there? They've got no corners other than him. I mean, they had Roby Coleman, but he's a slot guy. And then on the outside, it was Talib and Talib was garbage, and then his ass got sent to Miami. So they got they had pretty much nothing there because oh, oh, don't forget Marcus Peters got shipped to Baltimore. So right. I mean they lost all their guy. I don't even think Roby Coleman's on the team anymore. I think he got cut and signed like with Buffalo or something. I don't know, but they need him. They absolutely need him, and they probably have been in talks, being like, yeah, we're gonna pay you. We're just sorting out the contract. They're probably talking. That's probably why he isn't holding out. So that's good. I mean, that, that's great news for LA, and that, that's what they need. Because if you have another star, like, you know, you had the Aaron Donald hold out for, you know, he held out one year, he held out the next, and he finally got paid. So, obviously, it works with the Rams. They'll do it. But it's great to have him. And he as if you get training camp started and have him there, amazing. They need that for sure. Yeah, that's the Los Angeles Rams, not the Los Angeles Jags. Good, good correction there, Miles. <laughs> now, we talk about uh, needing help in the secondary. Let's talk about the Dallas Cowboys. And do they need safety Jamal Adams or not? I mean, a lot of smoke around there for two years now that Jamal Adams is going to head to Dallas. Kenny, you're the Dallas Cowboy expert I hold near and dear to my heart here on this show. Talk to me. Do the Dallas Cowboys need Jamal Adams, and should they pay the bill? I mean, I don't think that adding him would hurt the team by any means. Like, I think he's a phenomenal talent. And he's really young. Did we not sign HaHa Clinton Dix? We did. Now, I don't think that he's, like, incredible. Like, he's not Green Bay Packers, HaHa Clinton Dix. But, like, I don't know. I think, obviously, I would like to have Jamal Adams. The question is, what's the price tag in order to get him? And are we even going to have a quarterback that's, you know, decent this year so I think if you're making a run at at the Super Bowl this year then I don't see why you wouldn't want to bring in Jamal Adams and he's a guy where even like he's going to be around for many years in the league so it may not be like I it's just like we could use him obviously because you're getting a top safety in the league so now I know um, I wouldn't put too much emphasis I know it's a cowboy story so obviously you guys are rolling your eyes in the back of your head but um you know, the Jets made an offer, right? They said, we want a third of Michael Gallup, and the Cowboys said no. So, you know, the Jets obviously have some interest in sending him down there. Cade, do you take that trade if you're Dallas, considering oh, you landed C.D. Lamb? Um, absolutely, yeah. Uh, you already have a number one, uh, number one receiver, so you don't really need Michael Gallup. Gallup's good, but you don't need him. And obviously you have um, uh, spacing the name on the other guy. Um, Amari Cooper. Yeah, duh, Amari Cooper. Well, Amari so I, Cooper is the number one guy. That's how you're talking about. <laughs> no, CD, CD's going to be the number one guy, I think. All right, stick to okay, baseball. Not, not this year. <laughs> he's their long-term number one. That's, that's what I mean. But um, <laughs> CD's going to be there for quite a while. He's, he's a really good guy. Anyways, you, you know, you trade your, your, third, your, uh, your third wide receiver and a third-round pick, and you get a top – probably a top three safety in the league, it, like if not top two, 
um, next to Kevin Byard. Like, yeah, I think that's a, that's a yes. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's fair. Miles, what do you think? You think uh, Cowboys should go in, all in on Jamal Adams? Well, I mean, here's the thing. You can't stack your roster with too many superstars because eventually you have to pay these guys. And Jamal Adams is like, going to get paid super soon. If they trade for Jamal Adams, that would confirm to me that Dak's not staying. Like, if you can't pay both those guys and you're not going to gotcha. give up. Like, good – Like, and as you brought it up, I didn't even know that there was an offer for Michael Gallup. And the fact that they didn't ship yeah. out Michael Gallup makes you think that maybe they want to keep him around and have that trio of Cooper, Gallup, and Lamb, or wait till Cooper's deal expires, or maybe even trade him in a while and keep that core of Gallup and Lamb. So that's interesting. I don't think Jamal Adams is going to be a Dallas Cowboy because I think they want to keep Dak. They're going to need that space to keep Dak. I don't think they should pay Dak, first of all. So Jamal Adams will still probably be available by the next offseason if or even at the trade deadline, and if you think Dak, because if at the trade deadline you don't have like a good feel that you're going to be able to re-sign Dak, then either trade him or you'll know he's out, like for sure. If there's not a lot of progress made by then, that's that's the key, and that's how it always happens. Like when you think Austin Hooper, as a Falcons fan, that's the thing that comes to mind first for me. No contract was in place at all up, in, and especially at that trade deadline. Once I you know figured that out, I was like, yep. I mean, the, it was all to, there. He was he was going to be gone. It's really hard to pinpoint quarterbacks, though, but the only person that comes to mind would be Kirk Cousins in that same similar situation um, of getting paid or staying. Uh, Cade, you were saying something? Oh, yeah. Well, well, here's so the general rule of thumb is that you have – you take quarterbacks over other positions, right? Like general rule of thumb, right? But the thing is, is that Dak Prescott's not a superstar. Like, he's – like, in my mind, he's – about about league average as a quarterback and he's demanding way too much money um so if you have the option to have a superstar like that on your defense um especially some uh, an area where the cowboys could improve right you you probably take that and you want to have two years of him rather than um just one or one and a half i obviously two seasons is preferable there if trading for him means you don't hold on to dak long term Maybe maybe that's the way to go. And Dak's still young, right? He has room to improve, but at this at, at the current moment, he's basically a league average guy. You so know, Dak and, is not top ten to you. He's like ten to fifteen in my mind. Wow. Which you know okay. what the thing is, and this is a proven method. Like I mean, football's changed over the last 20, 30 years, like obviously. But it's been a proven method about since the nineties. And I mean, it worked its way into the 2000s, kind of changed in the 2010s, but I still believe it's true. If you have a great team, you don't need a great quarterback. You can have an average QB and still be successful and still make the playoffs, have a shot at the championship. It's a smaller window, but it's like, it's that small window and you have a 90% chance in that small window. I'd take that over a big window, but 10% here, 10% there, you know, I wouldn't pay Dak that money. I would rather go find fucking Cat Newton, pay him half that, and have him play. Again, thirty-five million today is thirty is di- very different than thirty-five million in twenty twenty-four. But we're gonna have to see if Dak is gonna get that contract that he wants. Um, personally, I have oh, Dak around the seven-eight mark myself. If Mahomes signs first, Dak is not staying. Dak is a hundred percent not that staying. Was, in that's Dallas. another thing. Aaron Jones and Patrick Mahomes in their extension agreement talks um, as of today, so that may become breaking news soon. Um, and let's go ahead and talk uh, our last segment of the night, which is going to be with Miles. 
Uh, you might not recognize the name, but we're changing that segment name to On the Clock with Miles Bloomquist um, and the invisible Dre Rogers. But let's go ahead, Miles. Let's take it away. What fantasy players do you want to highlight tonight? So I, we were talking about this earlier. I think it's a good idea to talk about some dynasty guys because, you know, not a lot of regular drafts are happening right now, but we're seeing a lot of dynasty startups. Obviously, teams are doing their rookie drafts because those are more plausible to do right now. A lot of teams like to, or a lot of leagues like to do their drafts during or after the preseason. So that way all the injuries have been settled down and, you know, all the disputes have been settled, so on and so forth. So I want to highlight a couple of, or a few rookie guys here that target in your dynasty. And I actually want to give one guy that I don't think anyone should target. And if anyone's read my Times Few article on this, you'll know who my pick is here. But uh, I'm not going to say Cam Akers because the last time I was on, I touched upon him. He's a guy you should draft no matter what. I mean, that's been pretty solid. Um, Looking at the guys that have been going, you know, in the first round of some dynasty startups are Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Jonathan Taylor. And that's interesting that Hilaire is the guy that's getting taken first out of all these rookies. Kansas City, obviously, powerful offense. They can probably put up 30 points, no problem. So you throw in a running back that was a first-round pick, taking over Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, those guys. It's interesting to me. They must love Hilaire. And they must have a plan for him already for them to have targeted him so early. So I'm going to go with Hilaire as a guy that you should be picking up. And if he's going early, you should be taking him early. I think it's worth the investment. He's a young guy. I think he's only 22, might be 23, but if even if he is 23, still worth the pickup for a dynasty because that's a guy that could probably go 10 years. I don't think he'll be a superstar, but in Kansas City, everyone's a superstar because it's Kansas City. Even with the exception of Mahomes and Kelsey and, and maybe Tyreek, but I don't think Tyreek's that much of a superstar. I think he's just a really super fast dude with good hands. Um, Hilaire won't be a standout, but he'll be solid. He'll get 90 yards here, 80 yards there, two touchdowns and 70 yards here. It'll be solid production week to week to week. And that's what Kansas City missed. I mean, Damian Williams is inconsistent. Uh, whoever the hell the other running backs were, were inconsistent. And Kareem Hunt was there. Kareem Hunt was freaking top of the league pretty much. And you put another great guy there. I think Hilaire is probably a guy that just is more surprising to us than a lot of people will see. And he's a first-round pick for a reason. People need to realize that. Now you're talking to reach. Now, just to give a rebuttal there for you. Now you talk about what a what a ceiling and a floor would be for him. What would be a floor where you see bottom level? This is what he gets, and what would be a ceiling where you say here's his potential? I'd say the floor. He's got the second best floor in this draft class out of all these running backs. I think he is a floor. If you're talking fantasy, he's a solid RB two. If you're talking ceiling, a number one running back that in two to three years could be going top three in some fantasy leagues. I think, I think that's the, like the, the very top of the ceiling. I think he kind of hits somewhere, not in the mid range, but he, he definitely is going to, obviously he's a young guy. He's playing in Kansas city with Andy Reid. His floor is going to go up and he's going to get closer to that ceiling. I don't think it'll quite reach it, but I think he's still a solid guy to pick up early in dynasty and a guy to hold on to for a very long time. Worst case scenario, he drops off a little bit. You trade him, get something good out of it because you know he's going to have a few productive seasons. When when so, Andy Reid when Andy Reid said that he was he looked a lot like Brian Westbrook, you knew for a fact that that was going to be a sleeper pick for you in this in this year's fantasy football draft. And if you're doing dynasty, that was somebody on your radar. Who's your next guy you got for? Oh wait, Kenny, you got something for us? 
Actually, you do your second one, Miles, and then I want to get your thoughts on my dynasty draft. All right. Uh, my <laughs> second, <laughs> my I mean, second guy. I might as well ask the es- expert if I'm here, right? <laughs> my second guy, Michael Pittman out of Indianapolis. A guy a good pick. That, that, as of right now, averaging around being a 13th round pick in most dynasty startups. That is criminal. That's a guy that should be going much higher. If you look at the stats, and I've mentioned this every time we talk about the Colts, whether it's on my show, someone else's show, whatever, they won like maybe two games out of like 20 the past three years when T.Y. Hilton wasn't playing. Finally, they have Paris Campbell, and now they add Michael Pittman. I mean, they still have freaking Jack Doyle at tight end. They add Jonathan Taylor. I mean, that's obviously the guy everyone's going to be talking about, so I won't mention him. I mean, I think Taylor would be solid. I don't know if he's worth the praise he's getting because he has to split with Marlon Mack. That will remain to be seen, but a guy I know for sure will be solid out the gate is Pittman. He was a high pick for a reason because he is pro-ready. I think he'll be the number one guy super soon in Indianapolis. I don't think Paris Campbell quite has that ceiling. I mean, Paris Campbell coming in already had a low floor and a high ceiling, but I don't think that ceiling really reached that number one spot. So that's why they go out and pick up Michael Pittman because I need a guy to be that number one. I mean, T.Y. is getting up in age now. He's about 30, 31 around there, I think. So in terms of wide receivers, like, you know, golden years, that's long gone now. And T.Y. Hilton's probably going to go on that decline, as much as I hate to say it, because I love T.Y. Hilton. So it's going to be hard to see him being the number one guy for no more than maybe three years at most. I don't even know what his contract looks like right now, but I think that he doesn't last another contract in Indianapolis and he goes finds a job somewhere else. Hmm. So Michael Pittman comes in, takes that number one rule. Even if Pittman isn't the number one guy in fantasy this year, this is a guy you need to stash at the very least. But I still think Pittman, because T.Y. Hillen gets hurt, because they need another target, that he gets at least 10 to 15 targets a game, maybe at best. Maybe down in that eight to 10 range too. But I think that, with the volume that they like to go to T.Y. Hilton, if they can spread that down to Michael Pittman and, you know, obviously take some of the targets that they take from the other guys last season, this is a guy that should be having a lot of 10 catch games. A great yeah, rack guy as well. Great comparison would be Mike Williams from the last couple of years, because yeah. that's who, that's, that's who have comparable, comparable system with a comparable, comparable number one type of player across from him. Um, that's perfect. And, and Miles, I know you might've had a third guy, but I want to hear Kenny's draft and, and hear what your analysis and grade you give him real quick. Okay. So I'll preface it as I finished second place in my dynasty league last year. <laughs> I, I needed Adam Thielen to get four points in the final and he obviously got zero because Adam Thielen is a scrub but I (laughs) so so I was at the tail end of a 12 team draft I was drafting at number 11 Uh, to give you a bit of background I've got Dak and Darnold as my dynasty QBs I've got Carson and Lindsay as my running backs my wide receivers are Michael Thomas Adam Thielen DK Metcalf and DJ Moore and I've got George Kittle at tight end so I moved up in my dynasty draft up to number seven and I picked DeAndre Swift because I needed mm-hmm. running back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, but to preface it, Jonathan Taylor's gone. Kansas City's back is gone. So I needed to move up and take running back. Was, because it, was, do, you know, do you know if Cam Akers was there? He was not. Okay. So, so. so I had to move up and take Swift. So, okay, we're not off to a good start judging by that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then – 
in the uh, second pick of the second round, I drafted Denzel Mims at okay. wide receiver. I figured in New York, he's going to be just fine. And then uh, I gave up my third round pick. So in the fourth round, Jacob Eason was there. So I took QB just because my backup QBs are currently Mariota and Fitzpatrick, neither of which will be relevant moving forward. So I figured if I got Eason, maybe Rivers doesn't pan out in Indy on his one-year deal, then maybe Eason steps in. What, what do you think of my dynasty draft? Well, I'll start with DeAndre Swift. And when I mentioned earlier who my one guy not to pick was, it was DeAndre <laughs> Swift. And what I detailed in my article for Timeskew was that it's not because DeAndre Swift will necessarily finish with the worst stats out of these guys. He's not necessarily going to be the worst guy here. I still believe Carrion Johnson's the number one guy there, and he'll be the number one guy going forward. The big reason Carrion Johnson had a couple dis- – I wouldn't even call them disappointing, but a lot of people like to use that term for him – their interior offensive line was hot dog shit. And that was hard to watch. Carryon Johnson, who's a powerful guy, get up and use all his might to get just three yards because there's freaking guys pushing their offensive line back with the exception of Frank Reg now, who's been pretty solid. So it just sucks to see that Carryon Johnson is being buried. And I think he's going to have a huge year this year. And DeAndre Swift is going to take that back seat in Detroit which sucks because I like Swift. I think he could have been really good somewhere else. It's just he ended up in the probably one of the worst situations he could have gone into, in my opinion, because I love Johnson. I think he's the guy going forward for Detroit. Uh, I think out of the gate, Johnson is easily the better back, and he'll be the better back all season. Denzel Mims was one of my top guys to target in fantasy. So I love that pickup. I mean, Darnold needs a guy to target. You have that Darnold and Denzel Mims connection (laughs) on your team. So having those guys play, if the Jets click on offense, you're going to get lots of points there. So that's a good pickup. He's a, is it PPR? Yeah, full point PPR. That's, nice. why I, so, that's why I was heavy wide receiver, to clarify. Yeah, absolutely. That's why Denzel Mims is even better, because I don't think he's got to be a guy that gets a lot of touchdowns, but certainly going to get a lot of catches. And obviously catches means lots of yards. Um, so you give up your third rounder, then you go grab Eason. I like the Eason pick, but I – you looked at it the wrong way. You still come away with a good guy just for a different reason. Rivers will be fine. He'll be fine for a year. He'll be maybe fine in year two, but I think you have a solid shot at Easton taking over in year two. But you have – who are your quarterbacks again? You have Darnold and Dak, right? Darnold, Dak, and then I've got Mariota and Fitzmagic. Okay. In my opinion, Darnold needs to prove that he's legit this year. I'm A lot of people that I know – are super convinced Arnold's good and I'm like where's the proof what stats do you have to show me what video evidence you have to show me that Darnold's ready to take over and albeit the Jets are screwing him they haven't gotten out and gotten him the support he needed but he didn't need Le'Veon Bell he needed a freaking receiver and he didn't need Jamison Crowder and Jamison Crowder was the best guy he got so he did what he could with Jamison Crowder and I'll give him that he turned Jamison Crowder into a solid guy who could catch a shit ton of passes because I mean that's what Jameson Crowder did he could catch he wasn't great at much else so you give him Denzel Mims now finally he's got a number one target this is sort of the prove it year if he doesn't succeed this year I don't think Darnold is going to continue trending up anymore I think he is going to take a backseat to someone else the Jets will look at someone new so that's why I like the Easton pick mostly and I mean 
you never know what Dak. Dak might not play this year. Dak might not play next year. Dak might be garbage next year, but Dak might be garbage this year. So having Eason as a guy that won't play this year, but will be playing maybe next year, but for sure in at least two years, that's a guy who's going to take over the Colts, lead them for probably 10 to 15 years, be amazing, and just help you get a shit ton of points. Because like I mentioned, Michael Pittman, Jonathan Taylor, Paris Campbell, Jack Doyle, Marlon Mack, he's got the talent that he needs, and those guys are just going to keep getting better. Obviously, Hilton probably will be around by then, but he, you know, there's, I just named you five guys that would be awesome in Indianapolis, hopefully by the time Eason takes over. So I love that pickup. Not because he's going to be replacing Rivers anytime soon. Definitely not this year, of course, unless he gets injured. Um, but in the future, Eason's going to be a franchise guy. All right, I like it. Let's take our third star stud pick there, Miles, and let's wrap up the last 30 seconds. Um, so I'll, I'll be quick on this one, but a guy that not a lot of people are talking about surprisingly is Brandon Ayuk out of San Francisco. Hmm. A guy that was a first rounder. And I, I like, holy shit, that guy's a first rounder. That's who San Francisco traded up to get in those late 20 picks. You have Debo Samuel. You have Jalen Hurd, who I'm super, super stoked to see. He's probably going to be in the slot. And on the outside, Brandon Ayuk, the run after catch master, the yards after catch master. I can't wait to see him catch long balls from Jimmy Garoppolo all day long. That's all I got to say. This guy's going to have so many big plays. He might not be the best PPR guy because he's not going to get a lot of catches in that sense, but standard dynasty, even if it is dynasty PPR, still take this guy because the big playability is there and he's going to get thrown to past the 50 yard line so many times. And I think he adds a whole new dimension to that San Francisco offense that they desperately needed. Awesome. Awesome. Cade, I know this is a quiet segment for you, bud, but how do you feel about Miles' three-star studs that can be in your dynasty draft? Um, no, I definitely agree with those picks for sure. Uh, I, I really like um, the IU pick because, you know, Emmanuel Sanders was uh, was there last year, and he, at least after the deadline, he uh, was a pretty solid contributor for him. So, I mean, if you think uh, a guy like IU can, can take over at least probably, probably not a similar role because – um, I, there are different types of receivers, I think, but you know, I, I is is great, um, good, like you said, yards after the catch guy, and that's probably something that um, that Garoppolo needs. He's not necessarily the biggest deep threat guy, so if you want to get big gains, you you kind of want talent like that. And uh, with how um, with how well operating that that offense is, I think it, it will be at least next year with George Kittle and Debo Samuel. Um, he's going to get a lot of opportunity to um, get some yards downfield. So I, I agree with that. And I, I think Ayuk is my favorite out of the, out of his three picks. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. And thank you for that segment, Miles. That's on the clock with Miles brought to you by SATX Radio. We can get the best deals, compete for tickets and find the latest updates around the Alamo city. Follow them on all social platforms today. So, that wraps up our two segments for today and all the news and analysis you could imagine. Uh, next week is our trivia segment with our guest podcast, MTMV Sports. And a special lobster was selected to compete. That is Davis Cordova. That's right, Davis. You're barely finding out. So give me a DM on Twitter so we can get you set up for next week's trivia. And if you want a chance to win a $25 gift card of your choice, then go ahead and comment hashtag ELM on any podcast social media post to enter your name 
and then you could be selected on next week's episode. Um, I want to give a special thank you to Miles, Cade, and Kenny, and as well as Dre for being here tonight. Let's go ahead and do our sign-off. We invite all other media members or sports podcasts to join us on ITL. Part of our mission on the Blue Collar Sports Media Group is to debate, share hot takes, and do what we love the most, talk sports. Hard work, strong takes, and entertainment to your ears, the, the Blue Collar Media Group. Now, with our mothership acknowledge, we appreciate all of your support. Hashtag ELM equals every listen matters. We want our show to continue to be part of your Friday mornings going forward. So listen to our episodes, share on social platforms, leave a review, and if you can promote us, that'd be great. We only grow as your support does. I was your host, Ernest Silva, and on behalf of everyone this morning, hope you guys have a great weekend. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to analysis from around the NFL and NBA on the Sports Genes Into the Lab podcast. Send your questions on www.thesportgene.com or on the Anchor app. And follow the Sports Gene on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Overtime Heroics today. Today.